All right, let's get your groove going there for a minute. I know you're all probably familiar with that song, unless you are young, then maybe you're not. Uh, but it is great to be with you today. We are so happy to be back in Ohio after getting a little taste of sunshine and 70 degree weather in Florida this past week. But uh, thank you for um, everyone, all that you did last Sunday. I know that you were here to receive the word about healing and um, we are just grateful. Pastor and I got a little bit of refreshment filled with the Word of God, and we're just so excited about this new series, My Money, But God's Math. My Money, But God's Math. And I encourage you, Casey, thank you for that. Actually, that Mark 4 was on my heart all morning, and that's what I've been praying for you, is that we know that when we sit in uh, and hear the Word of God, we have the choice to either embrace it and accept its power to transform us, or we have the choice to say, I'm not sure that I believe it, so I'm not really going to do anything. But this morning, I just want to encourage you. We are on a track in 2019 for the most fruitful year that we've ever seen as a church family, and we're praying for that for every person attached to Family Life Church, every family attached. This will be the most fruitful year you've ever seen. Amen? And, um, you know, whether on your vision sheet, on our vision sheet, that you had small goals or major breakthroughs that you're desiring, it's pretty clear, I believe, that most of us have a few common denominators of things on our vision sheet, and one of them has to do with money. One of them has to do with uh, money. And let me just encourage you, this is the year that God can take you to a new place financially. This is the year that you can have debts reduced and eliminated. This is the year that you can reach your savings goals. This is the year that you can reach your giving goals. This is the year that God can bring you to a different place. This is the year that he can take you to a new job. This is the year he can bring you to a different pay grade within the job you have. This is the year that your business can look entirely different than last year. It's the year that he can add clients and customers that you can say, I don't even know what's happening, but things are blowing up for us in a good way. This is the year. This is the year that can happen. And the way that things happen for us and that we're transformed is by the word. The word is the difference maker. And you know, God has something to say about every part of our life, including money. And I know that uh, most, you know, re religious people don't like to talk about money. They don't want to talk about politics, and they don't want to talk about money. But let me share this with you. In Scripture, there are about 500 Scriptures that talk about faith. There are about 500 Scriptures that talk about prayer. But when it comes to money, there aren't 500. There aren't 1,000. There aren't 1,500. There aren't even 2,000. There are 2,350 scriptures that talk about money. Jesus knows that money is more than just a number in your bank account. We know that too. He knows that money impacts every part of who you are. Because when we are dealing with issues or lack in our money, it affects peace in our mind. It affects the peace in our home. It affects how we celebrate life with our family. It affects how that we want to give, whether we desire to or not. Money affects everything about who we are. And, you know, the last time we did a series on money, it's been over a year, and pastor series was about uh, mammon. And we found out that God says you can either serve God or you can serve money. There's only two things, and you can only choose one. 
We're not going to talk about this that this time, but if you need a refresher, I encourage you. I believe it was October of 2017. But this time we're going to talk about my money and God's math because we have the option to tap into God's money and provision system. You know, so many of us battle with such fear where it concerns money. And fear comes out in panic and anxiety. Dread is also a big part of fear. And if you've ever been like dreading to do your bills or dreading to look to see how much is in your account, it's all fear. But God can completely obliterate fear for us and bring us to a different place. And that only comes by finding out first what he says about money and opening up our life to it so that we can live more and more at peace. So I want to start with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 this morning. I'm going to read the message translation. And this is about... Um, how God transforms us, okay? And so this is what Romans says. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, which is always dragging you down. So this scripture is saying, in this moment, take your eating, your sleeping, your going to work, your everyday life. So in this moment, this is what we're doing. We're saying, okay, God, here I am. Since we're talking about money today, we're saying, okay, God, here I am with my lack of money or with my surplus of money, with my thoughts about money, with my fears about money, with my plans about money, with my question marks about money. Here I am today. And the NIV says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We're going to insert the topic of money here. Don't copy the money behavior of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think about money. Now, most of our lives we try and fit into the culture. We try, you know, as teenagers, we just want to fit in. But let me tell you, you do not want to fit into the money culture of our, of our world because most people can't even come up with $1,000 if they hit an emergency. We're talking about Americans. Most Americans, it's a huge percentage. They, they can't even find an extra $1,000. Most people don't even have $200 in a savings account anywhere, and this is not to be mean. I'm telling you the culture of this world. Most people are so far in debt that they can hardly even make payments, and then they end up hating the things that they make payments on. Most people... Um, spend so much money on college that they almost spend a lifetime paying it back. Most people think it's never even a reality to live in a home that doesn't have a mortgage attached to it. Most people are just a half of a nostril above water trying to survive when it comes to money. So we do not want to fit into the culture of this world regarding money. Now, if you're there, we've been there. In some cases, we're still there in some areas. So this is not about condemnation, feeling good or feeling bad. It's recognizing there's a better way. We don't have to fit into the culture of this world regarding money, but we can let God transform us. He can transform our money situations, but it starts with the way we think about money. 
So this morning, as we start My Money, God's Math, I am simply going to open up the Word of God to you in a few areas so that we can see that God has something to say, and we can say, wow, I can see I need to transform a little bit about the way I think in an area. We're going to talk about three areas today. We're going to talk about the tithe. We're going to talk about uh, giving, and we're also going to talk about our needs and what God has to say. So when it comes to God's word, there are so many promises that God has about money. And in every promise that you find in the word, there is always a God side to the promise, and there's a man side to the promise. And when I say man side, I'm including women in that. It's a human side. There's a human side, and there's a God side. I'm going to say man side, God side, just because it's kind of easier to say. So many of us are living our money situations without the God side, but there is a better way. And as we unfold some things in the next coming weeks, we are going to be so amazed and just stirred up in our faith at what God actually does when people take him at his word about money. We're going to look at some Old Testament examples. It's astounding what God did in the lives of people concerning money and wealth. And this is not a thing about greed or status. It's so much about God's plan and what he wants to do in the earth. And he wants to use you to do it, and he wants to use me to do it. And money is only a tool. Your money can literally help get people into heaven. Your money can help you celebrate life with your family. Your money can take care of the needs of yourself and people around you. But it only happens when you have more than enough. Isn't that right? It's not rocket science, right? If we have just enough, oh, cool, we have just enough. But what happens when God opens up our thoughts and opens up our lives to having not just a little more than enough, but more than enough, and then more than more than enough, because that is the kind of God that he is. So some of us are living, a lot of us, if you look at stats, are living our money life without the God side of the equation. But I promise you, we have, we have a choice, and it's completely up to you, completely up to me. We can live our life saying, well, this is my money. I'm going to live like I want to live. I'm going to do with it what I want to do with it. I'm going to make my own decisions with my money, and that's completely your choice. My money. We also have the opportunity for a different kind of equation. My money with God's math on it. And when we live that way, he opens up things to us that the normal people in life don't have the opportunity for. So we have a choice this morning. And no matter where you are in the equation, maybe some of us, I know a lot of us that come to Family Life Church, live with some a part of the God side of the equation. We're faithful in tithing. We're giving. We're trying to increase and stretch ourselves. And that is amazing. And if that is you this morning, I encourage you, there is more for you. God wants to open up some things to you and show you how you can increase even from where you are. Maybe you've never heard about the goodness of God. Maybe you had no idea that God cared about your money. Maybe you thought once you gave your life to Jesus, you're supposed to live dirt poor. That's not in the word. So you're going you're gonna to have your mind renewed about the truth, about what God says you can have. To lay a foundation, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Or, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 9. This is the NLT. It says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though Jesus was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty 
you might be made, what's the last word? How, how many of us ever knew that was even in the Bible? That Jesus, even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might be made rich. Well, does that make sense? Well, let me just take you through a, a small trek here about redemption. We know, we're pretty familiar with the fact that even though Jesus was sinless, for our sake he became sin, so that even though we were sinners, we could make this exchange and become righteous just like him. That's in the redemption. We know that uh, Jesus, even though he was completely whole for our sake, he took stripes on his back, he took all sickness and disease on himself at the cross, so that at that place, even though that sickness and um, illness and health issues could come on us, we have the gift of redemption. We can exchange our sickness for his health. That's part of the redemption. Just like that, for our sake, Jesus, even though he had it all, for our sake, he became poor, so that through his poverty, we could exchange lack, we could exchange debt, we could exchange not enough, we could exchange no future, no retirement, no hope. We can exchange all of those things for the exchange of being, what was that last word in that scripture? Rich. Well, I just think that has to do with spiritual things. It does. And it has to do with every other part of our life, too. He did that for you. And so that's going to be part of the basis. Some of you, that's the first reality, the good news that you have God's permission to believe for a better increase in your financial life. You have God's full permission. Not only God, does God give you the permission to do it, but he paid the price so you can have it. You have God's permission, and he paid the price for it. Now we have to understand it's not because it's not for selfish reasons. It's so that we can become more like God. Become more like God so that we can be a blessing on this earth, help God establish things on this earth, and we also receive the benefit for it. So there's a God side and there's a man side. So um, we're going to look at the tithe. We're going to look at our giving. We're going to look at our needs, a couple of those scriptures according to the word today. So if you're taking notes, first we're going to cover the tithe. The tithe. If you've been at Family Life Church, you hear it every week, the tithe. The tithe. What is that? Well, the tithe actually literally means 10%. And it's a percentage that God set. So the tithe is 10% of our income, and God set that percentage. Malachi chapter 3, and this is the amplified version, says this. Will a man rob or defraud God? Yet you rob and defraud me. But you say, in what way do we rob or defraud you, God? And his answer is, you've withheld your tithe and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, even this whole nation. And this is what God says, bring all the tithe, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now by it, says God, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and God says, I will rebuke the devourer, including insects and plagues, for your sake, and he shall not destroy, what's that word there? The fruit. This is, all, this is all about being fruitful this year. There's a way that the fruit that you go after in life can be protected, and part of it actually is the tithe. 
So the destroyer will not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field. That's all about actually whether or not you miscarry, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you happy and blessed. Now I want to look at that scripture and bring out the man's side and the God's side. So the man's side, we're going to start with chapter or with verse 10. The man's side is going to be in blue. And this is what God said the man's side of the equation is. The man's side is to bring all the tithe, the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse. And prove me now by it. So the blue is the man's side. God is saying, bring your top 10% to the storehouse, the whole 10%, not 3%, not 5%, but bring 10% to God's house and prove him. That's what God said the man's side is. And then God said, the God side is that I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so big in your lifetime that you will not even have room enough to receive all the blessings. And not only is he going to bless you, but he goes on and he says in verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So let's look at the whole picture here. So the man's side is that we bring our 10% to God. We bring it to God's house. And in doing this, we're proving that God is God in our finances. And we enter into this covenant relationship with him. It's this partnership. We bring him our 10%, and we're proving God. And God says, when you do that, I open the, he- I open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, and I rebuke the enemy for you. So when we enter into the tithe, the promise that we have is that in every part of our life, we have the right to the open windows of heaven in our life, and we have the right of protection. The enemy can't touch us. He can't touch our kids. He can't touch our home. He can't touch our stuff. He can't touch our business. He can't touch our future. That's the God side. Now, I did a quick uh, review of statistics, and most Christians in America actually from what statistics show, 3 to 5%. So th- let's, say, let's just say it's 5%. Only 5% of American Christians tithe, which means 95 out of 100 do not. Now, again, this isn't condemnation, but I want to open up our eyes to something because most people assume so much about God and the way he works. 5% of American Christians tithe which means 95%, 95 out of 100 American Christians, have not yet let their minds be transformed and their actions and their finances be transformed by God's word. In other words, whether or not that they would say this on purpose, 95 out of 100 American Christians are saying, my 10% of my income, which let's face it, is only a few thousand dollars probably, 10% of my income is more valuable to me than God opening up all of heaven to pour blessings into my life and God himself actively holding back the enemy from me and my stuff and my future. Now, I know if you asked any Christian who was trying to live a godly life, if that was the case, they'd say, no, it's way more valuable for me to have the open windows of heaven in my life and to have the God hold back the enemy from my life. But we have to understand, for the God equation, there's not just the God side. There's the God side that's activated by the man side. So I just want to challenge you this morning. I believe the tithe is the first step 
as believers that we take to really start transforming our money life to what God says we can do and be and have. And so you may be sitting there thinking, okay, is my 10% worth more to me than all of heaven being opened up to me? Is it worth more to me than God holding back the enemy who's very rare, real and goes about like a lion to devour you and your stuff? That's in the Bible. Is that worth, is my few thousand dollars a year, or maybe it's a couple scores of thousands if you're, you know, if you've worked hard and built some things and been blessed, is that worth more to me? My few thousand dollars a year, is that worth more to me than what God says he can do? But there's a God side and a man side. I want to look also at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency and with the first fruit or the first part of all your income. So shall your storage places be filled with plenty, and your vats shall be overflowing with new wine. So if we look at the man side and the God side of this one, the man side is to honor God with our first the first part of our income with the capital he's blessed us with, the sufficiency that he brings into our lives. So to honor God, the message translation of that is honor God with your first and your best. So if if any of us are in the situation where we kind of slid into this thing of giving God like what's left after we pay our bills or maybe we don't honor him first if we if the first thing we do we don't do when we receive income is give it to god then we can come up in that area we can come up in that god you're first your actions speak louder than what your words they do so we can give god our first and best and this is what god says when we give him our first that our storage places are filled with plenty and our vats overflow with new wine. Now, both of these indicates, indicate storage places. Storage places indicates plenty and overflowing means there's not just enough for today. There's not just enough just for today and maybe tomorrow. There's enough for tomorrow and the tomorrow after that and enough for our future and enough not just for our little family, but enough to share, enough to be a blessing, enough to help those people that might be hitting a bump in the road God says, if you give me your first and best, I will fill your storage places with plenty. You know what we, what I personally do with that? I say well, my storage place isn't just my pantry, but it includes my cupboard. I have plenty of food. But we also say our storage places are our bank accounts. Our storage places are all those places where we can store and we can have, not just to store it up and see how big it can get, but to store it up so that we can actually help and distribute and be a blessing. Plenty. Somebody say God's math. God's math for you is not barely getting by. It's plenty, overflowing, windows of heaven open. That's God's math. Let's look at what God says about our giving. You know, when it comes to our giving, God doesn't set a percentage. He actually encourages you to give as you determine in your heart to give. So with the tithe, he sets the percentage. But in giving, it's really whatever measure that you want to use. And God says the measure you use when you give is what he uses to give back to you. But let's look at Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It says this, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything, which is opposite of what our flesh thinks. It says the generous will prosper, and those who refresh others 
will themselves be refreshed. When we look into the man side and the God side of this one, the blue man side is to give freely. And uh, the God side is that we become more wealthy. Well, that goes against everything that our, our natural person thinks. We think, if I give freely, then I might be left out and not have enough. And you know, truthfully, Pastor Tom and I have tithed our whole married life. I'm grateful that we were raised in homes that tithe, and that was never a struggle big for us. I mean, obviously it's a choice and a decision we've had to make, but it was just something we determined to always do. And as we've been married, we've tried to increase our giving in certain areas and push up the percentage of how much we're giving to God and his work and to people. And even through, we've been married, it'll be 28 years this year. Woo! Yeah. But even after 28 years of giving, do you know that when God moves on our heart to give something, and it may be like a gift card, like a, you know, sometimes it's not like give thousands of dollars to whatever. I mean, sometimes I'm talking about like buy somebody's lunch or whatever. Do you know, even now, after 28 years, when God prompts us to give, I still have to struggle sometimes with, well, if I do that, I might not have enough. Is that crazy? That's why we have to constantly be in the word to transform our thinking because it's so easy for us to slip back into fear and what if and what about and I'm not sure and well who's looking out for me well this word says that if I give freely then I become what wealthy but our natural mind says well if I give freely I'm not gonna have nothing but God says you give freely I'll make you wealthy And the next part says that if I am generous, what's going to happen to me? God says, I'm going to make sure that you prosper. And in our natural mind, we think, man, if we're generous, we might be stuck in a small place that we're without. But that's not God's truth. God's truth is that we'll prosper. Amen. And you know, it's so funny. If you have more than one child, you realize that kids are different. And, you know, some of our, I'm not going to name which one is which in this scenario, but we have a child who will give you anything this child has at any moment, at any time, freely give money, freely give anything, freely give. And then we have another child who doesn't really even want to share a bite of Popsicle. And, you know, it, it's funny, it is, but I have endeavored with this child to say, no, we always have plenty. We freely give. And even when, you know, our kids are little, they're battling with, well, if I give to you, then I won't have what I want. The enemy starts so young with fear. And it's all really about either not having what we need or not having what we want. But when we tap into the truth of God's word, he makes sure that we not only have just what we need, but we have plenty, and that he is leading us to a path to make us wealthy and to have more than enough to freely give. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. This is a little bit wordy, so please don't, like, veg out on me and, like, start staring. Try and capture what this is saying, because this is so good. It's the amplified version, and, um, and it is so full of truth. It says this, 
Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. But he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone else will also reap generously and with blessings. Now this is how this is the how about giving, okay? So if you're trying to figure out like I don't understand what God's instructions are about giving, it starts in verse 7. Well, actually 6, but verse 7 says, "Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in, God prizes above other things, and God is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. God is able to make all grace, every favor, every earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances, and whatever the need, you can be self-sufficient, you can possess enough to require no aid or support and be furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, the benevolent person scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And verse 10 says, God who provides seed for you to sow and bread for you to eat will also provide and multiply. Say multiply because this is God's math. God multiplies your resources for sowing and increasing the fruits of your righteousness, which comes out in goodness and kindness and charity. And you will be enriched in all things, all things, and in every way, so that you can be generous. And your generosity, as it is administered, will bring thanksgiving to God. Now, like I said, that's really worthy, or really wordy. But it is full of nothing but all every abundance, generous, having everything you need. And the man side, let's just look really quickly at the blue and the red. The man side is this, that our side is to give as we've made up in our own mind and purposed in our heart and to make sure that when we give, we're joyous, we're prompt to do it, and our heart is in our giving. And you may say, how in the world do you ever get to the place that you're cheerful about giving things away? Well, this is how you become cheerful about giving things away. You look at the God side. When we just look at the man's side, let's say God asks you, let's say you have uh, uh, $200 that you, you don't have to pay on anything. You have $200 free and clear, and God says, give 100 to somebody. So what we do in the man's side is we look at that and go, yikes, well, that leaves me with only 100 And then we start calculating all the things we could do with the other 100 and we think, well, I won't get to do that now. That's the man's side. Am I the only one that calculates things like this? Okay. So we start thinking on the man's side. Well, if I give 100, then I'm without 100. If I give 100, then I'm without 100. I have less. What about me? I have less. But the way that we can become cheerful is we look at the God side. The God side is that God loves. He takes pleasure in me. He prizes above other things, and he's unwilling to abandon me ever. It's worth it. And what else is the God? Let's go to the next one. The God side is then God's able to make all grace, every favor, every earthly blessing come to me in abundance. Well, that's worth more than 100 bucks. Let's keep going to the God side. And God will provide and multiply your resource for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Okay, so this $100, 
that we give. And in our mind, we're going, well, I'm a hundred less. I'm a hundred less. I'm a hundred less. When we look at what God says, we say, well, God multiplies the hundred for me now. And this is literal truth. Okay. So I'm showing you the God side. God says that when we give a hundred, we're not a hundred less. He takes the hundred. First of all, he says, wow, they're that heart of giving. I'm going to prize them above every other thing. I'm unwilling to abandon this person. And I'm going to take that hundred that they gave, and I'm going to multiply it and make sure it gets back into their life. That's the God math. It's your money. But when you start operating according to the word, God's math comes on your money. Let's go ahead and finish that out. We'll be enriched in all things in every way so we can be generous on every occasion. Is there more to that one? Is that it? Okay, awesome. God's math. Is anybody being encouraged today? Okay, good. Because, you know, it's one thing to put things on our vision sheet and to come to Vision Sunday and to be inspired in faith and to believe for God to move. But I don't want any of us to be deceived because when it comes to God moving on our behalf, there's a God side, and he's the one that does the miracle stuff. But there's the man side, and our side, the man side, activates the miracle stuff. It takes us giving the $100 for God to have something to multiply. Because when you give nothing, anything times zero is what? Zero. And this is the cool thing. If $100 isn't where you are, start with a dollar. I'm constantly still inspired by a couple who were so upside down in their money that they literally only had $50 a week for six people in their house to eat groceries. And even though they budgeted $50, they went through financial peace. And if God is moving on your heart to reduce and eliminate debt and get to a better place, you need to make sure that you're part of financial peace. It's going to start sometime in March. You can find out the information center. But God moved on their heart not only just to use that $50 of budgeted money for their groceries, but to actually take $5 out of the $50 and buy a gift card for someone else. Think about that. I'm talking they were upside down, almost bankrupt. Yet they found a way to tap into God's math. Now, $5 less probably is what? Two packages of hot dogs. Two packages of hot dogs is not worth more than God's multiplication to start start a siphon in your money flow. Okay? So I don't want any of us to be deceived that somehow, miraculously, God's just going to move on our behalf when we do nothing. God has principles in his words. So we're going we're gonna to end here, and uh, we're going to look at my needs. Matthew six thirty one through 33 says, Don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So the God side and the man side. Let's look at the man side. The man side is that we're not supposed to worry like everybody else. Instead of worrying about how we're going to get the stuff we need and have the stuff we want, we don't worry about those things. We actually seek God's way of doing things. And God's way of doing things is to give him our first and best and to start the flow of giving somewhere. Okay? And when we seek God's kingdom, 
above all else and live according to his word. This is what God says. God knows what we already need, so he'll make sure that he meets your need. That's how our needs get met. People that don't have the my side, God side promise can't look to God for God to meet their needs. But if you're living in the Matthew 6, flow, where you are seeking first God's kingdom and you are trying to live by what he says, like Casey shared, you see something in the word and you embrace it and you just start to, to walk it out wherever you are in your life, then God makes sure that you have everything that you need. 